Hey, welcome to the All Access Podcast. My name is Wayne Brown. I'm so glad that you tune in today. Hey, today's topic is breaking toxic thought patterns. Once a year, we do a gathering called Empower. And this year, Pastor Jonathan shared an amazing word about how when you get in a rut in your thought patterns, there's gotta be ways to break that. And he gave us practical thought patterns and ways to break out of that. And so I'm excited for you to hear this word, gather some people together, maybe even share this and help somebody that's been dealing with some wrong thought patterns in their life. And I think this is gonna help you. Hey, let's listen into this word. Wow. Well, family, I just I want you to know uh, what a privilege it is to have all of you here. And all access, uh, you know, you wonder what it is. I said it before. It, it's not a conference. Uh, it truly is relationships. And many of you, I look out across the room, just it's just uh, pastors that have been really good friends for for several years, and God is just beginning to build these friendships and. Uh, we decided to include our teams, associate uh, pastors, and then worship teams and kids teams. And so it's, it's developed into um, what you look around and you see right now. But at its core, it's just, it's just relationships. And that's the passion of it and heart of it. And uh, so, guys, I feel like the Lord really put a word on my heart for us tonight. And uh, any time a preacher is preaching, they should say that the Lord gave them the word. Otherwise, we don't need to hear it. But this one is unique uh, in the sense that I feel like the Lord wants to do a surgery uh, in this service. And uh, I, I really do think he wants to help you. And, and um, it, this message might not apply to 100% of the people in this room, but I'm going to say it, it's going to apply to 98%. And the other two are already saints that are perfect and made holy, okay? I, I think that this, this word is uh, really, really for every person. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to commit to me that you're going to take notes and that you're going to write down uh, what we talk about. I would love it if you had a piece of paper. It would, uh, and not just to take notes, but because we're going to do a little exercise and it's going to require you to be able to write. And uh, understand that you're sitting next to somebody and, and you got to have some privacy, as they say in Australia, some privacy, and uh, you're going to want some privacy because I'm going to ask you to write some things that are challenging, and, but they're going to be good for us. Are you guys ready to take the journey? I'm going to talk to you on the subject, breaking toxic thought patterns. Breaking toxic thought patterns. I'm telling you, y'all ain't ready. And if, hey, if at any point uh, you need to cry mercy, you know, stop, then I, I might. But I'm probably just going to keep going, all right? Uh, but but I, I really feel like many people in ministry are right here. And uh, I want to talk to you about your thoughts for a moment. We think up to 60,000 thoughts a day. The average person thinks up to 60,000 thoughts in one day. There's 57,000 seconds in a waking day, so we pretty much think more than one thought a second. 
you are thinking about 85% the same thoughts as you thought yesterday. So whatever you were thinking yesterday, you've repeated about 85% of those today. The problem is, is when they're bad and you repeat 85% of those thoughts again and again and again and again, you have a war going on inside of you. You might have makeup on on the outside. You might be smiling on the outside and look great on the outside. But inside is a total mess, and you're crying for mercy. You're crying, you're crying for help. Um, neuroscientists have proven that our neurons in our minds continue firing for 10 minutes after we've changed the thought. So whatever it is, it continues to crackle in that same spot for 10 minutes afterwards. That's why even though you change your thought, your emotion is still in the same place because there's still connections to those thoughts for 10 minutes. Quite literally, the more you think about something, the stronger the fortress becomes uh, in your mind. And I'm so grateful for scientists who study neuroplasticity. Uh, you can go do your own research and you'll, you'll see that everything that I'm saying is true. The best way to understand the human brain with neuroplasticity is that it's a roadway system. What starts as a gravel road, uh, if driven down enough, becomes a concrete highway. And if it's driven down enough, it becomes a two-lane, and then it becomes a four-lane. Then it becomes an interstate, uh, and, and it, it becomes a super easy thing to travel down. Uh, and that's how your brain works. So I play the piano, and my brain is used to firing down those pathways, and it has become an interstate. If I get on the piano, I mindlessly play what might be a challenge to other people. And I don't, I look and I'm like, I don't see how you can't do this. But it's because I formed a highway in my brain. Sports are like that. Uh, mathematics are like that. Different careers are like that. You become, where you do something effortlessly. The problem is, is when you have a negative toxic thought that ceases to be a gravel road and it turns into a concrete highway, then it turns into a double lane, then it turns into an interstate, and you literally, your, your mind goes there every single time, and you've built a city around a negative thought. You've built a, a fortress. This is where we get the idea of a stronghold, a, a mental stronghold that we easily go down. And some of you think that maybe you're in spiritual warfare or you, you can't figure out what is going on in your life. You hate your life. You're, you, you feel like you're at a dead end, okay? Let me camp out on this concept of dead end. Recently, I was in a neighborhood in Dallas, and uh, the, the neighborhoods in Dallas go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And unless you have GPS, you're going you're gonna to be stuck, okay? And so I thought that I was going to get out of the neighborhood without GPS, and I remembered my way, and I went and I turned, and I show up at a dead end. I was frustrated, frustrated because uh, dead ends are dead ends. I turned around, and I went, and I found another dead end, and I was at a dead end. I felt so frustrated because I was at a dead end. Have you ever been in an escape room before? Escape rooms where they, put, they lock you in, they give you some clues, and you get two hours or sometimes one hour to get out of the escape room by following the clues. And if you're claustrophobic, you hate escape rooms. But some of us in ministry are in mental traps. Okay. And listen, I love you. We're, we're all a big family here. And I really do believe some of you came here tonight because God wants to rescue you. I'm serious. I'm serious. God wants to rescue you because you're in a 
dead end mentally. You're in a toxic thought pattern, and you don't know that what you're up against is a mental stronghold. It's a fortress of your mind that you continue to go down, and it's reinforced over and over and over again. Obviously, addictions like pornography are these neuropathways, and I'll use that as an example. When, for some reason, uh, your neuropathways fire, that when I need sexual gratif uh, gratification, that's the way that I go, you do that multiple times over and over again, and you train yourself. This is the path of least resistance, and you are chemically bound through dopamine. And it's not just a spiritual thing. I'm talking about physiological. You have, you have something firing in your brain that says you must go here. And unless you take authority, and unless you break the stronghold, and that's, thank God that he made us, neuroplasticity, it, you can actually retrain your brain. Uh, up till about 20 years ago, they felt like once you got past a certain age that your brain stopped doing this. They've now discovered that that's not true, that neuroplasticity works through your entire life and you can always retrain your brain. What I mean is if there's a dead end, you can, if you have a four by four, you can break through the dead end and break into the highway. You can find a way around, you can detour, you can retrain your brain and you can get into a place that's, that's the right place. So uh, they have a certain weed. I'm going to put a picture up of this weed. This weed is called the kudzu weed, okay? Uh, for you guys that live in the south, you've probably seen the kudzu weed, and, and it takes over. Have you seen the kudzu weed? Uh, they, there's a name for it. It's like called the death of the south. And it's literally the nickname, the death of the south. It's, I, I could be messing it up slightly, but that's the idea. Because it'll take over. You go into Mississippi and you see the forest, it's completely taken over. It kills trees. It kills, it takes over everything. Uh, it spreads fast. And a negative thought is like this weed that will take over. So and I'm going to get into these negative thoughts in a moment. and You're going to understand what I'm talking about. But there are places that you go in your mind over and over and over again that you're literally crying out for help because you're dying on the inside. And you think this is my destiny for, to forever be stuck in this thought trap. And i got news for you. God can set you free. He can break you out. There's, there's a way out of the escape room. There's a way through the dead end. And I want us to read 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 6. Now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and the kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I'm timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. Pause. Paul is writing this because there is tension. There's been rumors that Paul is a real strong writer, but in person he's weak and he's timid. And people have said when he preaches, he's boring. He doesn't have any authority. And he writes big letters, but he doesn't have authority. And Paul is saying, I, you don't even realize I'm playing at a much different level. He's like, I'm not even playing the game you're talking about. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to be bold with you. I'm playing at a different level than what you think I'm playing at. Then we go to verse 4. We use, uh, verse 3, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Paul says, I'm not even playing your stupid game. I'm not playing the way that you're evaluating me means nothing to me. I'm playing at a higher level. And this is where he goes. We use God's mighty weapons, 
not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Pause. What are the strongholds of human reasoning? If you look into the Greek, it's talking about philosophies that people have embraced since the time they were kids. They were raised in a tradition. They're philosophies that are deep-held thoughts. And Paul is waging war against a pagan culture that are, are entrenched in these ideologies. So he's saying that we knock down the strongholds of human reasonings and we destroy false arguments. If you look into the Greek on false arguments, it's talking about rumors and beliefs that are, that are in vogue, that are popular, that are, that are circulating. We, we tear these down. Then verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. These are learned arrogances of self-reliance that people have. We, we knock down the proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. And then finally, we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And what he's saying is people get these ideas that they're independent and autonomous, and they don't need God, they don't need a church, they don't need uh, other believers, they're autonomous. And he said, we're waging war. Okay, do you notice that this is warfare wordage? This is warfare wording, and it's, and it's not just spiritual, it's mental. So Paul is saying, I'm not playing your stupid games of evaluation. You're trying to judge if I'm a good speaker or if I'm, you know, a, a weak writer, whatever it is. I am coming into areas, judging what the, the philosophical strongholds are. I'm judging what the entrenched ideologies are, and I'm waging war against those ideologies, and I'm pulling them down to set people free. Because he says we're, we're doing this to set people free. It says, we capture their rebellious thoughts, teach them to obey Christ, verse 6. And after you've become fully obedient, then we're going to punish everyone else who remains disobedient. Boy, Paul was something else, man. I don't want to focus on three of those. I want to focus on only one of those. The one that is, he says, the false arguments. What are the false arguments? I want to talk about false arguments that, that get in our head. So if you ever go to, to have an exam done, um, a biological exam, a physiological exam by a doctor, they're going to ask you a lot of questions. They're going to say, uh, does cancer run in your family? Does diabetes run in your family? Does, does eyesight loss run in your family? The reason why is they're trying to get a genetic profile on you to realize what you're predisposed to, okay? And, and once they realize what you're predisposed to, they'll see what, 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 um, what, how you should be treated. In the same way, ministers... Pastors, leaders are predisposed to certain types of mental traps. And I've been friends with enough pastors and enough staff of churches to, to realize that there are certain traps that the enemy works in our lives. Now, I think that the message I'm preaching tonight can go to every single believer, but I'm tailoring it to people who are in church. First, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divide this into three points. First, I want to expose what is the battle. What is the battle. I'm going to call the battles your TTPs, okay? These are your toxic thought patterns. What are your TTPs? I want you to write on the page, what are my TTPs? What are my TTPs? What are my toxic thought patterns? And, and don't get so holy where you feel like, I don't have any toxic thought patterns. I promise you, you got some dead ends. You got some escape rooms that you, that you have to get out. Um, I want to divide these into five lies that we buy into and 
that become toxic thought patterns for us. The first are identity lies. And we're going to put these all on the screen so you can feel, you, you, can, you can write write them, take pictures, whatever you want. Identity lies. Identity lies are lies that come to you and they're recurring. Uh, and these lies, when you're, they happen when you're sleepy. They happen when you're at your worst. They happen when you're at your best to pull you down. And identity lies are this. I am not enough. It's all about me. It's all about uh, my identity. I am not sufficient at this. Or I didn't have enough education. It, it, identity lies are about your inadequacy, that you don't measure up. Some people dwell on the thought, I'm not enough for this. I am not good enough for this. I'm not, I don't qualify. I don't measure up. And I promise you that is a toxic trap. It's a trap of the enemy. It's a lie of the enemy that you don't measure up. The Bible actually has truth to that lie. You are enough because you're in Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And there is truth that combats that inadequacy. But then pastors and leaders and different people who are on church staffs, vocational doubt. I'm not supposed to be or I'm not called to be doing this. Boy, the enemy loves to put a thought in your mind. You should be doing something else. Do you know that COVID knocked out half of pastors and uh, full-time pastors and, and uh, people in ministry, half, because people start questioning, should I be doing this? Should I even be spending my time? This is an identity uh, lie. This is about who you are. Second type of lie that I see that people struggle with is performance lies. Uh, imperfection, like I, I've got to be perfect and I'm not perfect. Everybody's expecting me to be perfect. This is a, a dead-end trap that you, you have to live up to an absolute perf uh, perfect standard. Comparison, uh, which is they are doing it so much better than me. Boy, social media has erupted this lie of the enemy because you look at other people and, you know, other churches should be your friends. They're your family. The, the other pastors in your city, they're your, they're your compadres. They're your partners. But social media will make you look at somebody else's stuff and compare yours to theirs and you totally feel inadequate. You feel like you don't measure up. And this is a lie of performance that you are not cutting it. You look at other people, and boy, our society deals with this comparison, this, this, this negative thought, and how this applies to the, the, the common family. You look at the, the family down the street. They seem to be earning more money than you. Uh, their kids go to a nicer school than you. They have more friends than you. And you start comparing. You start having this identity thing that leads into a performance lie that I, they're doing it so much better than me. And then this lie of self-criticism where it says, you know what, I, I don't think I'm doing a good job. I don't think that I am executing well. And this is just a, a, a performance trap. So first is an identity trap that leads to a performance trap that leads to a potential trap, a potential lies, which is this, catastrophizing. That's quite a word, catastrophizing. You don't even know if you're guilty of that, huh? That means you make a catastrophe out of the future. This whole thing is failing or will fail. It's a lie of the enemy that says the work you're putting your hand to right now is going to fail. Pastors, how often does the enemy whisper this to you? The work you're doing is going to fail. Just give it five years. There's not going to be anything here. What a trap of the enemy. What a lie. What a toxic thought. This whole thing is failing or will fail. Abandonment. People are going to all leave me. This feeling that, that, you know what, what is now around me is going to leave. I had this sad, sad thing happen to me. I was a pastor 
that I was uh, in a conversation with. This gentleman was really a, a precious guy, but he told me something. He looked at me. He said, Jonathan, he said, everybody's going to leave you. And I said, no, they're not. And he said, oh, trust me, everybody's going to leave you. He said, I've seen it. I've seen it through my life. He said, and I know in my life when I die, I'm going to die alone. There's a true story. And I spent, Angie felt like I spent way too much time with this guy. She was like, we should have walked out long before. This guy was so defeated and so in a toxic dead end. And he was just this fear of abandonment, this fear that he would be all alone. What a toxic thought of this whole thing is failing or will fail or people are all going to leave me. So, so we have identity uh, problems or lies that lead to performance lies that lead to potential lies that lead to perception lies. And this is this, this anxiety that everybody's looking at me. Everybody knows. Everybody sees that, 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 that I'm failing. Everybody is watching. I'm going to just tell you right now, everybody ain't watching. I'm telling you, people are thinking about themselves. I love, my dad says this, but it's a famous saying, don't worry about what people think about you. They're not thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. You're like, everybody's watching how I'm failing. Everybody's watching that I'm not doing a good job. Everybody's watching that I'm, that I'm small, I'm insignificant. Everybody, no, they're not. They're not. They don't care. Scrutiny, everybody's watching. Or unfavorable comparison. People think someone else would do a better job. Pastors fall in this trap a lot. You know, if somebody else, they could do a better job than me. All of this leads to what I'm going to call the final lie, which is relational lies, isolation, uh, which is, man, I wish I had somebody to process this stuff with, but if I did, then, then I would be exposed. Then my, and it's isolation lies that you literally have nobody to talk to. Hey, y'all look at me, please, for a moment. I love all of you. We're, we're, we're family in this room. You're never at a point where there's nobody to talk to. You're never at a point. And if the devil lies to you and says you're all alone, you cannot share your thoughts, you cannot share your, 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 the lies, then that's a trap. That's a dead-end trap. I promise you the moment you express what's going on in your heart, there is freedom, there is light, there is life, and you must become open. But that lie, that isolation lie, the abandonment lie, my close friends will leave me. Um, bad attraction, which is I only un attract unhealthy people to, to me. This is, and there's so many other lies, but these are what I would call the, the ones that I hear the most. And it's identity lies that lead to performance lies, that lead to potential lies, that lead to perception lies, what everybody's thinking about me, and they lead to relational lies like isolation, abandonment, and bad attraction. So what are the consequences of believing in these lies, and, and what happens if we stay in this trap? Well, it leads to guilt. We feel this sense of what I call the I should'ves. I should'ves. Uh, I should have been at that funeral. I should have gone to that kid's graduation. I should have been at that game. I should have gone for the surgery. 
I should have, 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 I should have. And you leave, you're constantly thinking about what you should have done. I could have done better if I would have done this or if I would have just readjusted this. And you live, you're living constantly in the past, this sense of guilt that I could have done better if I would have. And that toxic trap has got you in the I should have's and the I could have's. I had the night free and I could have gone to that event. And so it's this constant uh, reflection on what you should have done, what you could have done, and it's, and it's guilt. I call it, it brings us into this, this trap of negativity, and this is in descending order. After guilt, we become paralyzed, meaning we don't know what to do next. We're paralyzed with indecision. We can't move. And I promise you, leaders, you can't lead paralyzed. But when you're stuck in that toxic trap, and, and, and you don't know what to do, you become paralyzed. That paralysis leads to disengagement, where you disconnect from your role because you're paralyzed. That, that disengagement leads to depression because now you feel like a complete failure that will never measure up to anything, and you're in total depression. It is so good. <laughs> it is so good, I'm just telling you. I, I know pastors are here. And, and depression leads to this final phase of quitting because that's the ultimate strategy of the enemy. He wants you to throw in the towel. He wants you to say, hey, I, I wasn't built for this. But you know what? He doesn't want you just to quit your ministry. He wants you to quit your marriage. He wants you to quit your purpose. He wants you to quit your life. He wants you to quit it all. And so if he can just get you at this dead end, camped out long enough to where you're living in guilt, you're living in paralysis, you're living in disengagement and depression and quitting, man, he, he's winning the war. So point one is the battle. Point two is the consequences. But point three is the victory. What is the victory? Thank God for victory. First step to getting victory. And, and I really believe in the principles that I'm sharing with you. To get victory, first you have to get clarity. Get clarity on what am I wrestling with? What are the thoughts? And, and I said it like this. Get clarity on your TTP. What are your toxic thought patterns? Get clarity on your TTP. Let me give you three ways to get clarity on your TTP, okay? This one is unspiritual. Journal. I wish I would have learned this a long time ago. It's great to talk to a living person. But when there's nobody to talk to, it's important that you articulate your thoughts. Because if they swim in your brain, they seem endless. If they just, if they just are up there, you're going to fail. You're not doing good enough. Everybody's looking at you. Everybody's thinking about blah, 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 blah. You need to make your battles real. What you do is you write, I'm thinking this. Write it so you can stare at it. Maybe, and you'll start writing these toxic thoughts. You may have three. You may have seven. You may have, but once you have them all there, you stare at those fortresses that constantly revisit you, that constantly torment you. And you say, the Word of God has a verse for every single one of these. you got to be able to visualize it. Another way to get clarity is to talk to a close friend or pastor. And I, look, that's, that's what I pray all access is, honestly. That's, if we're not that, we're nothing. What all access is, 
is a group of friends and relationships of people who do, are doing ministry together who you should be able to call and just say, I gotta just got to talk through some stuff. And, and you address, these are my toxic thought patterns that I constantly revisit. So journal, talk to a close friend. And if you find a, a phenomenal Christian counselor, tomorrow morning you're going to hear from Dr. Andy Yarbrough, who's part of our church. Uh, tremendous. And I do believe that there are some phenomenal Christian counselors that can help. But one of those three ways are practical ways to get clarity on your toxic thought patterns. Secondly, we're going to recognize the pattern when it resurfaces. And, and I just want to tell you, in moments of defeat, in moments of tired, when you're tired, in moments of great victory, these are all moments that you can look for that recurring thought process. This, this thing that revisits you. Maybe you have a Sunday and the attendance is lower than the last Sunday. You go home and there, you know what's waiting for you at home? Your TTP. Your TTP is waiting there for you. Say, hey, come on in. Come on in. Let's, let's have fellowship for the next day. You got to be able to recognize and go, hold up a second. I just saw this thought on my journal page. I just recognized this fortress. I just saw this, this pathway, this, this interstate. Recognize the pattern. Third, intentionally disrupt the thought. Intentionally disrupt the thought. And I wouldn't preach this to you unless this is something that the Lord has revealed to me, showed me, and it's been an area of maturity in my life. Because I, I couldn't preach it to you unless I've lived it. But I, a trick that I've learned is I, I know the fortresses that the enemy wants to use in my mind. And anytime I see myself going down that highway, I visualize a stop sign, a, a, like a real stop sign. And something about that, I just realized, oh, don't go in there. Don't go down that interstate, that interstate of guilt, that interstate of, of, of failure or that whatever. Don't go, eh. So interrupt it with something, like, like, a, like, like that visual. Or call someone you love instantly. The moment you see yourself going on that interstate, call a pastor friend, call somebody that you love a ton, and just say, hey, let's just talk for a little bit. Or Break the mold and go do something fun. If you like to play golf, go grab some golf clubs. If you like to go camping, if you like to go fishing, if you, if you just need a vacation, like you got to do what you got to do. If that toxic, that TTP comes, break it. Again, just to summarize, visualize something that will stop it or call someone you love or break the mold and go do something fun. And finally, learn how to affirm. Affirm. Uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle, everybody uh, is blessed by the Bible app and its impact. But man, Pastor Craig Rochelle has tremendous leadership stuff. And I don't know if you've ever seen the affirmations that, that, uh, they, that they've released. These affirmations are declarations of faith. Okay, y'all look at me. Look at me. When you say things, you may think this is silly. But there is something that is happening when you declare something, you are, you are forming and forging a new pathway in your mind. And you say that over, let me give you an illustration. Uh, how many of you hate working out? 
Like, come on, you hate working out. Just raise your hand if you hate it. Okay. If you say, I hate working out enough times, you're going to hardly be able to drag your body into the gym. I swear. You're going to be like, no, no, I hate working out. I, I encourage you to start saying, I love working out. I love it. I love it so much. And, you, and that might not bring you to the gym, but say it 30 days in a row. You start, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love this gluten-free brownie so much. It is so yummy. I love it. Affirm. Affirm in your heart what you know is real. Okay, now, here's, if you got your paper and you got your privacy, uh, I want you to write this sentence. I wish I were more, and then write a blank. I wish I were more blank. I wish I were more blank. Come on, I, I, I want you to engage with this. I wish I were more. And then before you write in what that blank is, I want you to think of all the things that your brain instantly tells you. I wish I was more spiritual. I wish I was more fit. I wish I was more uh, social. I wish I was, I wish my church were bigger. I wish my, okay, all of, and all of these things can become negative, toxic thought patterns. And instead of saying that, I want you to say the following sentence, I'm growing in blank. I'm growing in, we're not gonna say, I wish I were more. We're gonna say, I'm growing in and put the, put the blank. I want, and this is an exercise for you to do on your own. You say, oh, pastor, this is not spiritual. This is supposed to be a, a, a church conference. I'm trying to get you out of the dead ends. I'm trying to get you out of the escape rooms. I'm trying to get you unstuck from these toxic thought patterns into a place of freedom. And you're gonna have to begin to declare the word of God over these trapped positions that you're in. You're gonna have to wage war against the strongholds. So look up at me. Step one, get clarity. What are your, uh, what are your strongholds? Look for between five and 10 because everybody has these strongholds that, that are just constant lies the enemy's trying to whisper to you. I want you to visualize them. I want you to see them. And then I want you to write affirmations for those strongholds. If, if, you're, if your thought is, I fear that I'm going to fail, then I want you to write down, there's no way I'm gonna fail. I'm a child of God. I will be victorious. Okay, get that in your head and start telling yourself, there's no way I'm going to lose. I'm a child of God and I will be victorious. And you need to tailor your declarations, line them up with the Word of God, and conquer those fortresses in your mind. Ultimately, we have to understand that we're in a spiritual war. And the enemy, if he uses anything, some people think, oh, he's just... He's just out there trying to get me in car wrecks and give me flat tires and give me uh, diseases. No, he's out there trying to get thoughts in your mind and tear you down so you'll self-implode. That's what he's trying to do. His warfare is against your mind. That's where he's warring. And if you're thinking crazy thoughts, just know the enemy is taking advantage of your thoughts. And guess what? We have the power over our thought life. You are not subjected to your thought life. You master your thought life. 
you can find yourself at a place of total victory over all of these lies of the enemy that he's tried to whisper in your ear. I want him to put up my kudzu weed one more time. You're at a war with the kudzu weed in your mind, and that is whatever lies the enemy has whispered in your ears. And imagine what it would feel like to be free of toxic thinking. Imagine what it would be because God wants you free. He wants you free of toxic thinking so you can be victorious. When you're free of toxic thinking, you're going to have joy in your life. You're going to feel confident in your calling. Pastor Jude, hey. I heard that amen. You can't miss that amen. Hey. <laughs> Tearing down strongholds uh, in our minds that keep us from being all that God wants us to be. Amen. What an amazing word. This message was from our Empower 2023 this year. And I'm excited about Empower 2024 next year. What we're actually doing is we're merging our youth conference and our leadership conference in power, and they're coming together. And so you can sign up for that right now. Go to BethanyAllAccess.com and sign up. Bring your students, bring your church leaders. It's going to be a party here in Baton Rouge. It's going to be so amazing. I encourage you, like, subscribe, share this with as many people as you know. And I'm telling you, next week, it's going to be amazing. So we look forward to seeing you next time.